Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg of Blue Chip Scouting and now the Cat Crave blog. I am your host for today's episode of the show. Devin, my co-host, will be with me for Friday's episode of the podcast in our first episode together for the new year. So there's plenty to talk about today. Um, Of course, there's my news about uh, me joining Cat Crave, the Carolina Panthers blog for Fanside. Um, It's my first paid writing gig anywhere. So I'm super excited and incredibly blessed for the opportunity to write for Cat Crave. Um, Getting the chance to cover my favorite team along with bringing some team-related draft content to the site, it's it's amazing. Um, I want to thank Dean Jones for reaching out and bringing me on to Cat Crave, and I'm super excited to bring you guys content from there. With that said, I'm still going to be writing for Blue Chip Scouting, but the Panthers content on that end will be almost non-existent unless I decide to mention it in maybe a football thoughts article if I end up doing a football thoughts edition um, sometime this offseason. I'm hoping I can maybe get back into doing that weekly piece, but I am not 100% sure yet. Um, I'll still be doing general draft content for blue chip scouting along with little blurbs of NFL news and college football news as well. So nothing's really changing on that front other than where my Panthers content will be. Since I'm going solo today, this will be a much shorter podcast episode. So, you know, I'm only going to be talking about the greatest weekend of NFL football in the sports history. I mean, come on. If you guys watched this past weekend, it was absolutely phenomenal. Just great football. Every game reached expectations and then some, especially the last game of the weekend. I mean, I think we can all agree that's probably one of the better games we have seen this century. Maybe in the last, I don't know, maybe it's one of the greatest games of all time. You know, that was one the best games I've ever seen, but we'll get to that here shortly. Let's start off with Bengals-Titans. Bengals traveling on the road to face the number one seed, Tennessee Titans. Joe Burrow. Man, I mean, how can you not love this guy? This is a guy you can win games because of. Not Not in spite of. Sure, there were concerns pre-draft about, you know, his arm talent. But that was really the only main concern was his, like, ability to drive balls deep downfield. I personally never had that issue with Burrow when I was watching his film during the pre-draft in 2020. But, you know, I mean, there were definitely concerns, especially... In his rookie years, sometimes he wouldn't be able to really drive the ball from the opposite hash. But I I feel like now we are seeing the best Joe Burrow. We're we're, we're seeing peak Joe Burrow. And this is probably 
not even Joe Burrow reaching his full potential, which is scary to think about because Joe Burrow is an, an incredibly quick processor. He is just unfazed by literally anything. Um, he got sacked nine times against Tennessee. Three of them came from Jeffrey Simmons, who's a great defensive tackle, by the way. And I was like, if this dude can go out here, get sacked nine to ten times a game, and still come out on top, like, that, Joe Burrow's one of my dudes. Like, he is easily one of my favorite quarterbacks now. Um, You know, most of you guys know I'm a big Cam Newton fan, but at, at the same time, Cam Newton's career is probably near its end. At some point, he'll probably announce his retirement. Um, I know he still wants to play. Maybe he's willing to come back to Carolina. Maybe he's willing to take a backup role somewhere else. I have no idea. But there are a couple quarterbacks I believe I will be standing um, once Cam Newton rides off into the sunset, whenever that is. Um, Joe Burrow is definitely one of those quarterbacks. Um, Joe Burrow is easily one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league right now, without question. And what he did against Tennessee, even though he didn't throw for any touchdowns, which is if someone's making an argument that he didn't do great because he didn't throw any touchdowns and he threw an interception, get the hell out of here, man. Like, I I don't want to listen to that bullcrap. I really don't. I really, I don't want to hear that. Because what I saw from Joe Burrow against Tennessee one of the best defenses in the NFL and getting sacked nine times because your offensive line has Isaiah Prince starting at right tackle. I mean, I don't want to hear it. Joe Burrow is the guy in Cincinnati. He is already better than what Andy Dalton ever did in Cincinnati. He may reach the popularity level of Carson Palmer from when he was with Cincinnati. That's definitely a possibility here. So, watching Joe Burrow on Saturday, it it was just so fun to watch this guy throwing to Jamar Chase. I mean, I think Jamar Chase is already an elite talent. It is... It was kind of absurd to see him getting so much criticism during the draft process. I know uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Tyler Forness, uh, Forno, if you're listening to this, buddy, I don't mean to trash on you or anything, but Tyler had Jamar Chase as his receiver five, I believe. I may be wrong. I'm not. I'm pretty sure he was receiver five. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tyler, but. Jamar Chase proved this season he was probably worth that fifth overall pick, even though the right pick should have been Panay Sewell. But the thing is with Jamar Chase is that if you have a special connection with your quarterback, like he did with Joe Burrow at LSU, there's a good chance that that's going to be able to translate pretty well to the next level. Um, What Jamar Chase really displays... On the field, incredible body control, great ball skills. He's got that it factor already. 
Like, you know he's going to make plays. He's going to be an impact player for your offense as soon as he touches the ball. He has great run-after catch ability. He has pretty, he has pretty good bursts in the open field. I don't know if you guys saw the Kansas City game or even Saturday night, but he was moving. He can move. He can break out into the secondary and go untouched. Like, he is one of those dudes that can take any pass to the house without hesitation. Is Jamar Chase one of the top 10 best receivers in the league right now? That's a debate for another time. But in terms of true impact in the NFL, he is probably already a top 15 receiver. And the crazy thing is, Being a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL is not a bad thing, especially when you are as talented as Jamar Chase, because you look across the league, there are so many talented wide receivers in the NFL. And, you know, DJ Moore, I think he's a top 20 receiver, but I wouldn't have a problem with someone ranking him outside the top 20, because there are so many good wide receivers in the NFL. Any one of them could have a breakout season and end up proving that, hey, I'm one of the better quarterbacks, not quarterbacks, one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. It's ever-changing. So I'm the whole wide receiver debate in terms of, oh, Jamar Chase, is he a top five receiver? Is he a top 15? Is Is he even a top 20 receiver? You know, I think he's right there in the middle, top 15 already. Um, just having a phenomenal rookie season. Um, and, I mean, he was an all-pro this year, which is incredible. It just goes to show that, you know, if you have that connection with your quarterback early on and you have, and your quarterback was the same one you had in college, good. the chances are of having success early on are pretty high. So I, I'm very glad to see Jamar Chase balling out. Um, and he is going to be one of the top receivers in the league uh, for years to come. So I'm really excited to see how he does after his rookie year. Will he be able to continue to replicate this production year after year? We'll have to see after next season. But there's a pretty good chance he's already one of the better receivers in the league. Um, It's safe to say that the Cincinnati Bengals are – already a legitimate contender in the AFC and they can definitely be better with a good offensive line. Jonah Williams is fine. I, I don't have any problems with Jonah Williams at left tackle. Um, he, he's definitely not one of the better left tackles in the league, but he's still a very reliable starting option at left tackle. I have no problems or any qualms with Jonah Williams. It's the rest of that offensive line that I have problems with. I tweeted out probably during the game that day um, about saying, you know, which offensive line is worse, Cincinnati or the Carolina Panthers? Because the Carolina Panthers' offensive line, quite similar to Cincinnati in the aspect of they have that one good offensive lineman on at either edge of their offensive line. Taylor Moton is their star player at right tackle, but the rest of the offensive line, complete dog shit. Um, 
And then for Cincinnati, you have Joe Williams, who's still growing as a player, still getting better. I mean, I, I can see he can be a really good left tackle in this league. Um, but he right now, he, he is a solid option at left tackle. He's their best offensive lineman. And then you look across the board, it's not that great. So I think the Bengals definitely need to prioritize the offensive line this season. They have everything they need in place. They have the talent on defense. Um if they can bring Jesse Bates back, excellent. Um, if not, this is a good safety class to get yourself a ball hot, free safety um, to take over that role of Jesse Bates. Uh, but, I mean, it's going to be hard to replace Jesse Bates either way if they're unable to re-sign him. But anyways, bringing back or bringing in some good quality starters along the offensive line or maybe even drafting, going full full head of steam on rebuilding the offensive line this offseason, I think it's a priority for Cincinnati. Um, if they're able to get that offensive line right, I could see Cincinnati winning 12 football games next season, 12, 13 games. I do. And it's incredible that we are seeing Cincinnati in the AFC Championship a year after they had a top five pick. It, it, it's phenomenal to see the progress. They they overachieved definitely this year. But I think they're one of the best overachievers we've seen in a minute. And it's one of the best turnarounds we've seen in a minute. Um, so I am so happy to see Cincinnati just balling out here. Winning playoff games for the first time in... 30-plus years. Um, they won their first road playoff game ever um, this past Saturday, so that is a major W for the organization. And now they have a chance. They're one win away from being in the Super Bowl. One win away. All they have to do is beat Patrick Mahomes. And we'll get to Patrick Mahomes here in a little bit. But I want to move on to Ryan Tannehill, the Titans. You know, Ryan Tannehill... He cho- he chose a the worst time to have a bad game, and the highs for Ryan Tannehill are really good. Um, but now I I fear he is now in the middle of the pack group of quarterbacks who can do fun stuff, but can also do some stupid shit as well. <laughs> um, I I I personally I personally liked Ryan Tannehill. Um, I I think he's a talented quarterback, but at the same time. Um, you, you you can't be throwing three interceptions in a game where you have a chance to be hosting the AFC Championship and be one win away from being in the Super Bowl. Um, you could have been hosting Kansas City. Not being able to get that job done, that, that hurts, especially for Ryan Tannehill. And I believe the Titans can be a better team with a better quarterback, but at the same time, you're kind of stuck with Ryan Tannehill next season. I don't think they're going to make a change at quarterback this offseason. I don't see it. I mean, if they decide to go all in with Aaron Rodgers, if they decide to want to trade for him, you know, that that's one thing. But at the same time, I don't think Tennessee's really eager to make that type of a move. I think they're really impressed with the roster they have right now. So I, I'm just not there yet with replacing Ryan Tannehill immediately. Um, if you have the opportunity to do so in the 2023 offseason where you have a potential quarterback class that year 
with an insane amount of talent. You got Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and then other guys that could potentially rise or boost their draft stock um, this coming season in college football. You know, Titans could be in a good place. And I mean, they are. They they are a good organization, a good football team, and they are a they are a contender in the AFC. Um, but I do think that getting a quarterback needs to happen sooner than later. It may not happen this season or this offseason, but 2023 is probably the year I'd be targeting to get a new quarterback, especially if Ryan Tannehill doesn't really rebound or have a better season um, this coming year. So the Titans definitely need to figure this out because like they they have such a great co- coaching staff. They have such a great roster. And at, and I hate to say this, but at some point you're going to have to put the blame on the coaching staff, even if it's undeserved. Mike Vrabel is a great head coach. Um, he has done a great job in Tennessee, over-exceeding expectations early on during his in his time with Tennessee. But now he's got Tennessee in a great place. They're winning football games. They're winning 10, 10 games almost every year now. So uh, I think it's great to see Tennessee really just exceeding the expectations they they have been over the last several years. Um, I, I still think they're going to be one of the better teams in the AFC next year. But again, you're going to have to find a way to beat Kansas City and Buffalo. Those are the two Titans in the AFC. Those are the two, the two Titans in the NFL in general, in my opinion. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the Titans respond next season, but congratulations to Cincinnati on moving to the AFC championship. Let's move on to San Francisco, Green Bay. I said this on Twitter, said this Saturday night, you cannot win with Jimmy G for the most part. Sure. They won that game. Sure. Jimmy G won a playoff game, but he was absolute crap that night. Like, he did not play great. I mean, he didn't have a completion until probably his his seventh attempt of the game, I think. I think he was like 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 to start the game. Then he finally completed a pass midway or early, or I think it was late in the second quarter. And I was like, you're not going to be able to win games with Jimmy G. Put Trey Lance in. Trey Lance should have played Saturday night, and I get it. The risks, I get the risks. I do. Putting him in there and him struggling and the and Green Bay pulling away with the win probably wouldn't have helped with his confidence going into his second season. But Trey Lance is the future of this franchise. I think we have seen already in the two games he has started that he can be a difference maker on that offense. He is a guy with the talent you want at quarterback that can propel the San Francisco offense to new heights that than they already are. Jimmy G is holding them back. Um, but at the same time, you know, if Shanahan has trust in Garoppolo... If John Lynch has trust in Garoppolo, 
then he'll he may end up being the starter next year again. Um, could he be traded this offseason? Potentially. Um, but I, I honestly have no idea. We have no idea. So it'll be interesting to see how the quarterback situation plays out in San Francisco. Is this team, is this San Francisco team better than the 2019 squad? The one that went 13-3, won the NFC, came so close to winning um, the Super Bowl that year. Are they better than this, than that squad? Possibly. Um, They have been, they have a great defense. Nick Boza had a great season. Um, There are Concerns at cornerback. Um, I still don't know why they're still playing Josh Norman. Because Josh Norman just looks incompetent out there. I, I I don't know. But looking at this Niners group right now, compared to 2019, there's, a, there's definitely an argument to be made that this squad is better than 2019. So that that probably should excite 49ers fans that like, hey, we have a better roster than we did in 2019. And we're one win away again from being in the Super Bowl for the second time in three years. Excuse me. Um, But the challenge will be for the Niners to get by this Rams team. Like this is a... Los Angeles Rams team that has a really good quarterback, um, a good offensive line, a, good, a really good run game when they're when they're clicking, um, and a really good defense. So I, I I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Um, but hell of a win for San Francisco. But oh my god, did they get lucky on special teams? Green Bay has some of the worst special team moments I have ever seen. Especially on the game-winning field goal from San Francisco. Like, they had 10 guys on the field when Green Bay kicked the game-winning field goal. What the hell are you doing? As an incompetence on the special teams coach, LaFleur's deserves some blame on that front. But they have got to get better on special teams. Because special teams is just as important as both offense and defense. It's a team game. When one of your units is struggling, that doesn't spell good things for the rest of your team. Special teams has been a problem for Green Bay. Had been a problem for Green Bay all season. And the flaws came out at the worst time. Two block punts. 10 men on the field on the game-winning field goal. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Aaron Rodgers. What's going to happen with him? Will he stay in Green Bay? Or is he heading to another contender? Maybe Denver? Tennessee, I mentioned a moment ago. You know, I I think right now, honestly, like, sure, Rodgers is definitely going to... I respect Rodgers for contemplating his future with the team and also his future as a quarterback in the NFL. I respect that. But honestly, I I, I was reading from um, an athletic article 
I can't remember who wrote it, but he mentioned that um, that this that that Rogers situation right now is better than what it, than what it was at this point last season. I feel like Rogers, Matt Lafleur, and the front office, all of them are kind of in a better place than they were a year ago. Like they still have the guys, they they still have the roster to be good, especially if Rodgers does come back to Green Bay next season. But again, it's going to depend on what Aaron Rodgers wants to do, and if Rodgers wants to go, then it's Jordan Love season. But the pan, but not the Panthers, but the Packers have some work to do this offseason. Um, if they want to stay or they want to try and compete and be contenders, um, I, it they're going to be in a tough spot because they're forty three million over the cap. Like they are in a bad spot money wise, so they're going to have to make some tough decisions. Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, those are two guys that have really hampered on that cap space. Aaron Rodgers is also hampering on that cap space. So the Packers have a lot to think about. You're probably going to be seeing a lot of restructured contracts. Will they bring back Devontae Adams? I have no idea. But it, I think Rodgers is in a better place with Green Bay than he was a year ago. And I think that spells good news for Packers fans because if Rodgers feels like, okay, I, I feel better now, and I and I have my trust. I'm starting to gain trust again with the front office. If the front office is able to do some good stuff in the draft, like getting a wide receiver opposite of Devontae, or not Devontae, yeah, Devontae Adams, like do that. And I get Adams may not even be back next season. He may be on a new team. But if Rodgers is staying, I expect Adams to stay. But Green Bay is going to have to work out a lot of stuff with their cap space and have to reorganize some players, maybe have to trade or cut a few players just to get some cap space, just to sign some guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but um, I have no idea what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Um, my gut is saying I think he has played for his last, he has played his last game in Green Bay, but at the same time, it would not surprise me if he comes back. Rams, Buccaneers. All the Rams needed was a good quarterback. They got it. Matthew Stafford is one win away from his first Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, before this season, had never won a playoff game. He has now won two. One win away from being an NFC champion two wins away from being a Super Bowl champion. How about that? Good for Matthew. I, I'm, 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 I'm happy for Stafford, you know? He has come a long way. He had a great season, even though he was up there in interceptions um, this season. But this Rams team is clicking at the right time. 
last two games against Arizona and here against Tampa Bay. Let's let's not forget Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay was getting demolished by LA for most of that game. Until of course Tom Brady ended up doing his usual thing, bringing this team back from the dead. But man, this Rams team is built to win a Super Bowl. They have all the pieces. They have the quarterback. They have the receivers. They have the offensive line. They have a good enough run game. They have a great defense. They have a, they have good special teams. They have what it takes to win a Super Bowl. Will they win it? We'll see. They're playing a Niners team that, honestly, we did not expect them to be at this point. But now we're getting Niners-Rams Part 3. In LA, we all know what happened week 18. Niners end up beating LA in overtime. Will that be the same result again this coming weekend? That's something we'll discuss. Devin and I will discuss on the podcast next um, when he comes back. But... You know, I, I, I'm just so happy for L.A., man. So happy. Because they find they truly have the team to be a Super Bowl winner. Like, they have a Super Bowl team. They went all in this season. And if they do lose this weekend, I think it will be a disappointment. But again, that, it's going to be another conversation for another day. But... um. I, I, I'm just, again, I'm so happy for Matthew Stafford, um, but I'm also kind of disappointed for Tom Brady. Um, he has said that he is going to take some time to um, kind of consider his future options, talk to his family. Um, he did mention on his podcast that, you know, his wife and his kids, like, not trying to word it a way I'm not supposed to, but it. From what I gathered, it was like, it's hurting his wife, it's hurting Giselle, Giselle and his kids that to see him getting hurt like that. Like, he was getting beat up, um, and, you know, Tom Brady has done everything any quarterback could ever do in this league. He is, one, he is the greatest player of all time. He has nothing else to prove. He's been elite for three decades. Three decades. Three separate decades. The 2000s, the 2010s, and now early in the 2020s. That's just incredible. I think Brady will be back next season. um, But I will not blame him for being like, okay, I've I've had enough. I'm going to retire. First battle Hall of Famer easy like this is like a no-brainer you actually if people if there are people out there that do not think tom brady is a first ballot hall of famer i don't know what the hell they're watching i really don't what tom brady is doing at age 44 phenomenal leading the league in passing yards 5300 yards passing 40 plus touchdowns Having one of the better offenses in the NFL. 
he he may be this he still may be the same player at age forty five. But it would not surprise me that Tom Brady would be like, I'll be coming back next season, but next season will be my last. So if that's the case, if Brady does come back for a swan song season, we better enjoy every second of that season. Because it will be the last time we see Tom Brady play. But again, we may have already seen Tom Brady play for the last time. So, um, in that game, um, not Brady not having Werfs or Godwin, I, I think that definitely hurt this team. Um, I think if they did have Werfs and Godwin, I think it'd be it would have been a back and forth game. But um, you know, not having those two players really hurt this team um, and their chances of winning this game. Um, even though they almost came back, but man, it, it losing those two players in the game you had to win, uh, it's just, that that hurts Tampa Bay. That that really did. So we'll see what happens with Tampa Bay this off season. We'll see what happens with Brady and his future. It'll be interesting to see what he decides. Um, my guess is that he will play his age forty five season. But also announced at the same time, it will be his last season in the NFL. So that's kind of my expectation. But at, again, at the same time, wouldn't surprise me if Brady retired. Let's talk about one of the greatest games we've ever seen. Buffalo, Kansas City. I mean, we all thought the game was over. 13 seconds left, Buffalo scored. They were up three. We all thought the game was over. And apparently now, in today's football, 13 seconds is all you need to stage a game-winning or a game-tying drive. At the end of the game. Patrick Mahomes balls a steal. 13 seconds left. I think it was like two passes to Travis Kelsey. Thing. I could be wrong. Got into field goal range. Kicked the game time field goal overtime. And then we saw the final result. We all knew as soon as Mahomes was getting the ball in overtime, it was like, this is going to be over. And Patrick Mahomes showing once again that he's the best quarterback in this league. And one of the most talented quarterbacks we have ever seen. Josh Allen, though, is not far behind. Josh Allen is definitely now a top five quarterback in this league. There are some incredibly talented quarterbacks in this league. From a pure talent perspective, um, off the top of my head, Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Watson. I'm going blank on a couple of names for some reason. Um... But those are the some those are just some of the names off the top of my head that I know are insanely gifted players that are probably at the top of this league in terms of quarterback play. Um Buffalo won an effort, man. Like just absolutely phenomenal. It sucks that they had to go to Kansas City to try and win that game. This Bills team could have easily won the Super Bowl. 
Chiefs as well. Those are two teams that it was going to be one of those two teams probably representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. That was basically the AFC championship in a sense. The winner of that game was probably going to ho- is probably going to host the a- is probably going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Buffalo is in an excellent place. They're one of the titans of this t- of this league. But they have to beat Kansas City in the postseason. Buffalo needs to outcompete Kansas City next season. If they can get a first round bye, they can get the one seed next season. Their chances of going to the Super Bowl skyrocket. I think they'll be in the Super Bowl next year. I'm already going to say that. I don't care who represents the AFC in the Super Bowl this year, whether it's the Chiefs or the Bengals. I don't even care if the Titans are good next year. The Bills should be the favorite to win the AFC next year. They should be one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. They have the team. And it looks like they found their wide receiver too next to Diggs. Gabriel Davis. Had one of the best games a receiver can have in the postseason. Four touchdowns. Out through four touchdowns and he had all four. Gabe Davis. Draft Twitter favorite. Merging as one of the top receivers on this team. Balled out. Needed someone to make a play when they needed it most. Davis came. He came and made a play. Made four big plays. Four touchdowns. Almost won this team. The game. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, it, it, was a, it was a pleasure to watch this game. Just the back and forth. This is going to be... Mahomes, Mahomes Allen will be Brady Manning for the next 10 years. As long as both of them can continue to play at this high of a level and their body doesn't completely wear down. Because, I mean, as gifted as they are, you know, at some point they're going, their bodies are going to start to break down. Probably once they hit 30, probably mid-30s, if they're still playing at that point, their bodies are going to start breaking down. The athleticism isn't necessarily going to be there. The physical talent may start to decrease a little bit. So we got to really take in this rivalry as much as we can. Because it's not going to last forever. So um, one thing I do think that needs to happen this offseason, NFL needs to change their overtime rules. I don't have any really... The only suggestion I have is you implement the college football rules from of old where... Uh, not the two-point conversion shit that they installed this past season. No, I don't want that. I want what we saw with LSU, Texas A&M several years ago where teams are just going back and forth. Have it 75 to 73, the final. Like, that's what I want. I want team. I want NFL teams to have an opportunity to win in overtime. Both teams scored, like, 
set the ball, since it's the NFL, set the ball in midfield and let them go at it. Two possessions or one possession each. Like, I want both teams to have an opportunity to score a touchdown in overtime. They can't. That's the winner. I mean, it's that simple. Just implement the old college football playoff rules. Not playoff rules. The old overtime playoff rules in college football. Into the NFL. But just back the ball up to the 50. That's all I would do. Just do that. That's simple. Easy. But other than that, like this this weekend, we were blessed to see each one of these games coming down to the wire. Like it literally came down to the final seconds in each game or overtime. Game-winning field goals from the road teams of Cincinnati, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Then we had one of the greatest games of this century. Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. We will continue to have these type of games between these two. And at some point, one of their games against each other is going to trump this game somehow. I It's just a gut feeling I have with this. But seeing Buffalo come that close to win that game, I was like, man, this is a Super Bowl team that lost in the divisional round and gets another Super Bowl team. One year, just one year, I want the NFL to place either one of those teams in the in the NFC so I so we can see a Bills Chiefs Super Bowl. Like that that's what I want. I think all fans want that. Just let those two go head to head in the Super Bowl. Just go at it. Each team scoring 50, 60 points. Who cares? Like, I want that. That would be awesome. But um, yeah, this was one of the best weekends of football I've ever seen. Maybe the best weekend of NFL football I've ever seen. Um, I hope this coming weekend is just as good. I hope we have some really good games this weekend. Um, I'd hate to see blowouts. Um, The one I think could end up being a blowout is Kansas City, um, Cincinnati. But um, at the same time, Cincinnati just beat Kansas City. So... several weeks ago. So there's a good possibility that Cincinnati, Cincinnati definitely has a great shot at being Kansas City, but it's at Kansas City. So we'll, we'll discuss this on the next episode of the podcast when Devin is here, but this will end today's episode of the show. I'll be back next time with Devin Jackson, like I said, to preview conference championship weekend with Cincinnati, Kansas City, and San Francisco, Los Angeles. I'll see you guys then. Peace.